Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside FM allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to episode 109 of the Giant Take Podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined by my co-host Alex. We are here to record another podcast, audio and video for this one. So if you're listening, you can watch it. If you're watching, you can listen, whatever you want to do. Um, Because we have a very special guest this week for this episode, Mr. Kenny Albert. Very exciting chat with him coming up for you guys to listen to in a little bit. And it comes at a time where we have a lot of Giants news as well. So a packed intro with a packed interview. It's going to be a bang-bang episode here. 
Um, you know, since we're on a video for this one, Alex had to do the hair a little pre-production, you know, get it get it straightened out, you know, all good stuff like that. Um, we had a we have a Patriots game to run through that I'll do right now, a 22-20 victory for the Patriots, a little heroic Hail Mary from the Giants, but not so heroic two-point conversion. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we'll start with that, so I don't want to give away too much before introducing my co-host. Alex, what'd you think about uh, Sunday's little celebration for the B-Day, and how are you? I'm doing well. Um, I thought that was an enjoyable experience, um, besides the Giants not playing very well throughout many portions of the game. Um, you know, I, I I thought there was bright spots with Daniel Jones. I thought he looked decent, aside from the interception, actually. Um, obviously, that was pretty terrible. Don't really want to talk about it. We'll see how it shapes up week one, but... Um, besides that, I thought there was some decent play, uh, from certain pockets. Offensive line, once again, did not look very good. Hence, maybe the reason that the Giants took so much action, uh, in the trade market, actually, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed going to the game. The atmosphere at MetLife Stadium is always fun, except for the fact that there was a little bit too many Patriots fans. There were a lot of Patriots fans, and I don't know, I mean, especially in our section, we were up top. Um, which I don't know why that was. I guess they, they made the drive, or there's a lot that live in this metro area. Obviously, we know one, uh, you know, in our friend Peter, who's also one of the co-hosts on Talking Blues podcast, if you want to go check that out. But, yeah, um, it was it was a fun game. I think it was, you know, it was a fun environment to watch with all my friends. Um, it was really exciting. And, um, Alex, I guess if you are watching, appreciate the uh, the gift right up here. If you can tell the Giants card collection to what I'm pointing to if you're watching this. If not, then basically Alex got me this plaque of like giant all-time greats. And it has like their playing card, including, you know, Phil Sims, Michael Strahan. I know Carl Banks is on that list. Um, but a very cool th- – I think Eli Manning's up there as well. Uh, but, yeah, very exciting stuff. So thank you, Alex, for that gift. Um, and uh, I guess we'll get right into this episode. We have the 53-man roster that was announced yesterday. Although it, it was the original, not the we don't have an updated, I say, 53-man roster, but I guess I'll read to you what the Giants did announce yesterday, and then we'll get into all of the cuts the um, and the waiver signings that did happen today as well, as well as the practice squad additions. The quarterbacks, also, if you want to check out my initial reaction, sorry, sorry to plug it, uh, go to the YouTube channel and uh, check out that that I recorded yesterday. It was released as this morning as we're recording on Wednesday, you're listening on Thursday or after that, whatever it is. Uh, but anyway, quarterbacks, Daniel Jones and Mike Glennon. I don't know, Alex, if, chime in if you want to like switch off offense, defense. Maybe you do defense if that, if that works for you. Saquon Barkley, Devontae Booker, Gary Brightwell. And the interesting part here, Colin Gillespie and Elijah Penny, uh, two running backs on the list, obviously as a roster spot, but both are fullbacks. So Interested to see about that. Offensive line, Ben Bredesen. We'll get into that. Who is Ben Bredesen? You know, leave that as like a, a claim, a hook for the reader to keep going. Nick Gates, Will Hernandez, Shane Lemieux, Matt Parrott, Billy Price, and other, you know, who know who is that? Nate Soldier, Andrew Thomas at the offensive line. Wide receivers, CJ Board, Kenny Galladay, Dante Pettis, John Ross, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slay, and Kadarius Tony. And the three tight ends on the roster, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, and Caden Smith. Alex, you take it away with the uh, defensive uh, end of things. Yep, moving to defense now. 
Um, we'll start with the defensive line. Austin Johnson, Raymond Johnson the third, um, Justin Pennick, big fan of him, so I'm sure he's happy about that. Still is on the roster, by the way, even after some of these movements, so that's always a good thing, too. Uh, Danny Shelton, Leonard Williams, uh, finish out that defensive line. Going to the linebackers, we got Cam Brown, Lorenzo Carter, Carter Coughlin, Tay Crowder, Trent, uh, Trent Harris, who I thought was very good. He ends up getting cut, actually, but... Uh, Blake Martinez, Aziz Ochilari, Reggie Raglan, Ellerson Smith, O'Shane Zimenez. And for the defensive back, Sam Beal, James Bradbury, Keon Crossan, an interesting one, Darnay Holmes, Adoree Jackson, Josh Jackson, another interesting one who's made the roster with limited uh, showing, Julian Love, Xavier McKinney, Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan, and Rodarius Williams, and special teams, Riley Dixon and Graham Gano. You'll notice no Casey Kreider because they cut him uh, for some of the moves later. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of have a good idea of who they replaced. So when we get to the uh, areas there, we'll uh, check that out and describe what happened. Yeah, so like you were saying, we had a few different movements after this. I think the one question mark going into this 53-man roster, a player that I did see making it was Sam Beal somehow still making it onto the team um, after after all that poor performance, opting out last season, which is, that's fine, but you know, didn't always look so good yet still here on this roster and I got I guess we'll go to the cuts now Alex that uh happened yesterday Corey Clement the big one Gary Brightrell running back a six-round pick for the New York Giants beating out Corey Clement the veteran running back for the Philadelphia Eagles and I'll add that in now because I had that as one of the bullet points in the docs that I wanted to mention the man does not leave the NFC East it's his favorite area to play in uh as Cowboys one of our arch nemesis here in the NFC East are signing Corey Clement to their active roster and yeah, stays in the NFC East. So good for him, I guess. I would also say, uh, I just got the news now. Our friend uh, Madre Harper also got picked up by the Raiders. Practice squad though. Was it the practice squad? Very interesting that he got picked up considering how bad he is. Damn. Uh, yeah, I know people were commenting on whoever verified it on Twitter saying good luck, Maj- you know, good luck Raiders with Madre Harper there. But yes, practice squad, active roster for Clement, practice squad for Madre Harper for right now. We'll see what happens. And uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of any, oh, Devontae Downs, you know, we were finally waiting for that as as Giants fans and doubters of Devontae Downs. He finally gets uh cut and we had all the rookie the rookie or second year wide receivers getting cut as well alex david sills alex balkman uh were two of them and who else matt cole was was uh cut david willis was cut um and there's there's one more that i'm thinking austin mack was also cut so those were the guys who got cut there and i think um you know obviously there were more cuts today and we should get into that uh in a second but first of all there are two people on this roster that you know, people, listeners of our podcast might not know about. So I think we should get to those offensive linemen. Do you want to read those trades? Yeah, sure. So let's get into these two trades for two, I would say, backup caliber offensive linemen, but we'll see what they turn into, especially price is a lot of potential. But first, uh, we'll go in chronological order of how they happened. It was Billy Price, offensive lineman, guard slash center from the Bengals. They traded B.J. Hill, who's obviously in his contract year, to the Bengals for offensive lineman Billy Price. Um, Billy Price was on the Bengals, the 2018 first-round pick. Started 19 games the last three seasons, a lot of games hampered by injury. 
Um, so there was that trade there. And then the Giants sent over a fourth round pick to the Ravens for guard Brett, uh, Ben Bredesen. There, Bredesen, there we go, got it. And we got back in exchange a fifth and a seventh. Uh, so not bad deals there, kind of just throwing up and hoping that one of these guys works out. But I think it's important. They're upgrades over the Chad Slades of the world. So I think these were some good moves. Hopefully they work out. We'll see how they uh, function in. Obviously the news with uh, Shane Lemieux that he might be having some more long-term issues uh, could play a factor into these trades. And something I didn't mention when I was talking about the roster cuts, a lot of those guys were cut, Alex, the first or second year players, not just wide receivers, but offensive line. Kenny Wiggins, Jake Burton, right? Uh, Who you were just saying, Chad Slade was also gone. And there were a few others involved in there as well. I would have to get to the... uh, you know, the specifics and scroll all the way down my chart here that I, of course, have um, from all of the cuts yesterday. But, I mean, if you have any... Kenny Wiggins, I said that. and uh, There was, like, uh, Jake... Not Jake Burton. Uh, one of the Burtons. I Jackson think Barton. Barton. Burton, Barton. One of them got cut, and then one of them stayed, but then one another got cut, and then they stayed. Uh, something weird, complicated. If I look at the roster here... Uh, I don't believe, I, I think one of the Slades or whatever made it. Did they not? I'm not sure now. There are multiple Slades? It, there was a Slade and then a Slot or something. I don't know. I think we're just making up names now at this point. Yeah, we're, we're just getting up new Giants. But yeah, most of those guys are out. Um, and obviously also Dante Pettis ends up being cut later in the day today. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. was interesting to bring in another wide receiver uh, who was claimed... Um, by the Giants. And, and we should talk about C.J. Board, too. Getting or, And C.J. Board was cut, but then he was brought back, which yes, is another interesting yes. thing. Um, <laughs> so C.J. Board was cut. He was brought back, along with Casey Kreider was also brought back. So I assume they had some sort of little agreement like, hey, we're just doing this while we get our waivers and all that stuff done. Um, and obviously the waivers are closed now, so we'll see what happens now. Everyone's free agents, so anyone can go to anyone. Uh, but yeah, the Giants picked up a few people on waivers, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, no, I mean, you, I kind of cut you off on your way to talk about that wavered wide receiver, so you start off with that, Alex. Yeah, so we started uh, with this waiver wide receiver, Colin Johnson. Uh, he was a fifth-round pick. I really liked him, actually, coming out of college in this year's draft. Uh, played 14 games, had 18 receptions, 272 yards, and two touchdowns in college. Nothing crazy. Um, but I think he's six foot six, which is the big talking point. We don't have that wide receiver who's really like six six level. Um, but he was definitely an intriguing player, and I think he'll be uh, an interesting acquisition there. Um, we also claimed uh, Justin Hillard, uh, linebacker, who was very good for the 49ers and their defensive reserves during preseason. Uh, he picked up 15 tackles, eight stops. And he was all over the field, and Giants having a serious lack at linebacker. Uh, this was a good hole to fill. And finally, my favorite here, Giants also claimed edge rusher Quincy Roche. Uh, Pittsburgh selected Roche in the sixth round of the 2021 draft out of Miami. A lot of people saw him going third, fourth round. He ended up going sixth round due to some injury concerns, I believe. Um, but obviously the injuries, maybe they're concerned, maybe they're not, but the Giants picked him up, and I'm excited. Obviously, we need more uh, potential down that edge, and he was a really like boomer bust type of guy. Obviously, didn't boom in uh, Pittsburgh, but we'll see what happens here at the Giants. And I just want to clear up something, Alex, um, that with Colin Johnson, 
those stats that you mentioned were from uh, his rookie season in the NFL with Jacksonville Jaguars in 2020. Uh, but not, uh, not. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, did I say college? Yeah, you I, just I, said I in college. Say. I just wanted to. Yeah, no, you're fine. You're all good. Yeah, I remembered last year's draft. I really liked him coming out, so we'll be interested to see what he does. It is still cool though that most of these players are between the ages of I think it's 23 and 24 years old. I know Hiller's 24. I know Johnson is 23. I have to double check. I'm sure. Uh, Roche is younger than both of them. So let me, I mean, let me take a look at that now. If Alex doesn't get it before me, I guess it's a race to see who can do it. Uh, I win as he is uh, also 23 years old. Yeah, so I got it right the first time. I didn't even need to double check. Between the ages of 23 and 24 years old, I think good signings to, to pick up today in this waiver period. Another one that I've actually known as, you know, somewhat following the Patriots, so I can trash talk uh, to our friend Peter, and that is Ryan Izzo was added to the Giants practice squad. He was with the New York Giants for a little bit. I think he went on the Texans uh, this preseason before being cut by them. And he was with the uh, the Pats when Joe Judge was the coach there. 18 uh, 18 games played uh, for Ryan Izzo in about two years. So a younger player, I think a nice pickup for the New York Giants. Another thing, I know we're bouncing around here, but I just want to make sure we get every point across. I should have mentioned this closer to the 53-man roster. A big one here is Aaron Robinson, the Giants' third-round pick from this uh, past 2021 NFL draft. Where was he when I mentioned the cornerbacks? Uh, This is because he is not on the roster as he is going to start the season on the PUP list, which is an unfortunate statement. Uh, This also means that he will miss the first six games of the NFL season. There is no way for him to avoid that, to my knowledge. So... Uh, yeah, he, he will miss the first six games of the season. So sad that we won't be able to see him. Kind of reminds me of Xavier McKinney, to be honest, starting the season. Another young player on the defensive side of things that we were not able to see till late. Hopefully it's not as late and I'm not cursing it like McKinney, where we didn't see him until like the last three or four games of the season. Hopefully in that seventh game, he's healthy, he's ready, he comes right in. But, you know... So far in these past few seasons, haven't had much luck getting into the season on the you know defensive side of things with cornerbacks and safeties injury wise. Yeah, for sure, definitely unfortunate uh, for Aaron Robinson. I liked him a lot. Uh, hopefully, we get to see him midway through the season. Um, we'll go to the practice squad now. Um, we'll go through the guys that we have. So on the offensive line, we have Kenny Wiggins, Jackson Barton, Jake Burton. Those are the two Burton Bartons that I was discussing earlier. Um, yes, I just say did just say Burton Barton. Um, and then the final O-lineman there is Brett Hedgie. Uh, running backs, we have Platts Gummer and Dexter Williams. Wide receivers, Matt Cole, David Sills, Sills Army. It's okay. Maybe he can still make it on uh, for a few games this season. Uh, David Sills will be on the practice squad. Damian Willis will be on the practice squad. And at tight end, we have four tight ends. Uh, Nakia Griffin-Stewart, Jake Hausman, Ryan Izzo and Chris Mariak, Miarak. Don't ask me. Um, and then with the D lineman, we have David Moa, Willie Henry, who did impress a decent amount in preseason, and Nico Lalos at linebacker, and Jordan Peters at safety. Um, so uh, the practice squad can have only 16 players. Uh, it's new, actually. It used to be 12. Uh, it was 10, and then 12, and now it's 16. And uh, that's due to COVID-19. So six players on the practice squad can have unlimited NFL experience. Uh, The salaries are $9,200 a week for those who have two or fewer years, $14,000 a week for veterans. 
um, and teams can protect four players on the practice squad each week. While protected, these uh, players cannot be signed to active rosters. Um, and not, that's pr- not. oh, go ahead. And that's fin- I want you. I want you to finish out your statement. And that's pretty much it. Is what I was just gonna say. <laughs> I was just gonna say, Alex. I mean, making a uh, nine thousand two hundred dollars a week. Uh, I I would take that for just practicing with the team. I mean, you're getting you're getting your ass handed to you most likely every practice by the starting squad. But um, I'll take my ass getting handed to me any day if I'm getting paid nine thousand two hundred dollars a week and fourteen thousand uh, dollars if I'm a veteran. I have no problem with that. You can give that to me any day. I mean, these guys are getting. It's crazy to see when like these one you know these players who are trying to prove it they get the prove it deals of like the one year seven hundred fifty thousand dollars or like the nine hundred twenty thousand dollar deal and a, you know that's like a rookie salary and it's just like it's nine hundred twenty thousand dollars man uh, for you getting that for one year uh, but yeah yeah I like most of these guys and uh, I have no problem with them being here especially most of them are young I know I mentioned Willie Henry in the video I recorded yesterday. Uh, he's been in the league for a little bit. He's with the Ravens, and he's 27 years old. So he's one of the older guys. Sandro Plaskummer just keeps on staying with the team. Obviously, comes over uh, from Australia. I think it's Australia. I think he's from um, Austria. I knew it was one of the Aus, but uh, one of, one of the Aus. But uh, yeah, so Austria he comes from. But yes, yeah, just. Staying with the team. I'm interested to see if he gets claimed by a team. Maybe because, like, no one wants to take a risk on him. I don't know. But, uh, are you sure it's Austria, Alex? You have that right? I really thought it was Australia. I'm really that bad, huh? Damn. Okay. All right. That, you know, that's fine. Yep, you're right. Damn it. Okay. Just double. All right. Move. Oh, right. Move. <laughs> moving on. Um, so, Board Pettis and Trent Harris were officially cut. Obviously, uh, CJ Board came back. Pettis and Harris are out. Neither of them on the practice squad either. Um, uh, I think they could probably both be claimed off waivers. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, kind of unfortunate. I really like Trent Harris, so I kind of thought that he should have uh, kept his spot on the roster. But uh, I guess, you know, what happens, happens. It's a business. So they had to go. And the Giants placed John Ross and Ellerson Smith on the IR, which route. Uh, gave room to those two guys, um, uh, who are the two guys, CJ Borden, uh, Casey Kreider, to get back on the roster, and that made the 53 there. Uh, so that's pretty much how the roster turned out, and we have a couple other tidbits here. I'll read the first one, Josh will read the second one. So, uh, courtesy of Dan Duggan here, uh, the Giants will retire Michael Strahan's number 92 on November 28th when they host the Eagles. The ceremony makes it official. No one has worn the number since Strahan's retirement in 2007. Eli's, obviously, as we know, will be retired on September 26th when the Giants host the Falcons. We'll be there. Very excited for that. Um, Josh, you go to the uh, 2022 draft news that we have. And just before I do go to that, I think the announcement was pretty cool on GMA this morning as obviously Michael Strahan hosts. Uh, We had, who was it? It was Justin Tuck, Eli Manning, and... um, there was one more that I... There was one more guy. I forget who he was. Was it Hayward? Um, it, it wasn't like... It wasn't someone like I didn't know. So it, it was someone reasonably big. Here, if you, can, if you can get that, Alex, real quick. It was it was Tuck, but... Not, no, no, no. not Obviously not oh, Tuck. Not Tuck? Tuck? Okay. 
No, the Not third Tucker. the third person that was there, Justin Tuck, Eli Manning, and as Eli Manning noted on Twitter, he loves jumping out of crates, uh, which is how he surprised Michael Strahan. If you can get that while I read the last thing, that would be great, Alex. Uh, I know they asked him a question in the interview, so if you want to pull that up. But anyway. Oh, Jesse Armstead. Jesse Armstead. Yeah, I don't know why I said Hayward. I don't even know who I was thinking of. But uh, Jesse Armstead, Justin Tuck, Eli Manning surprised Michael Strahan today. All right. Let's go to the uh, updated draft board. I just wanted to mention this before we go to the interview. With Ben Bredesen, uh, now part of the New York Giants, the Giants have 10 picks. Um, so here we go. A first, first because of the Bears. Second, third, another third because of the Dolphins. A fourth because of the Bears or Giants. I mean, it depends. Uh, fifth, a fifth because of the Ravens. Sixth, seventh, Panthers or Giants. Um, oh, I don't know what I'm saying. I was like saying it's going to belong to the Bears or Giants. I think it's um, whoever has the – whoever gave them the pick, right? I don't know. It's like noted weirdly here. Yeah, that – that uh, I it's so fourth-round pick from the Bears and then seventh-round pick from the Panthers that we get. We get both of those picks, assuming that Ryan Santoso doesn't break his leg. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And, and then there's also another seventh-round pick here. Uh, from the Ravens as well, right? So they and the Giants lost a seventh round pick for Billy Price and their fourth for Ben Bredesen, but get back a fifth and a twenty twenty three seventh, like Alex mentioned. That's I think we should throw it to the interview because that's really what people have been waiting for. Obviously, they wanted to get this Giants news firsthand. I'm sure they. I'm sure we know that. But uh, I guess we'll go to this interview now with uh, Kenny Albert. Go enjoy. We are back now with a very special guest, and you tell me if this is right. Um, I believe you are the only sportscaster who uh, currently calls all four play-by-play sports of the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, and the NHL in the United States and Canada. The NHL lead play-by-play voice for this upcoming NHL season on Turner Sports, uh, the New York Knicks television play-by-play broadcaster, MLB on Fox play-by-play, NFL on Fox, Rangers Radio, NHL radio, and also I believe you do the uh, Washington football team play-by-play during the preseason as well, correct? I just wrapped up the preseason, yes. With the there we go. It is Mr. Kenny Albert. Kenny, how are you today? I'm great, Josh. Uh, hi, Alex. Great to be with you guys. Uh, thanks for the uh, very kind introduction. We're, uh, we're really excited to talk to you, and I think Alex will get it started. Yeah, so um, first, you know, we'll talk, I guess we'll talk about how you do all four major sports. So we have like a little quote here or kind of like a, a blurb about what you did at one point. Uh, so on October 25th, 2009, uh, you called the play-by-play of the Minnesota Vikings, Pittsburgh Steelers game for Fox. And then you hosted the uh, New York Yankees locker room later that day. Um, and after, uh, and the next day, you broadcasted a Rangers game on the radio and called the play-by-play for the Knicks season opener. So basically the question is, how do you do that? (laughs) Well, very fortunate, uh, guys, to be involved in uh, so many different sports. Um, I've been with Madison Square Garden Network since 1995, uh, working the Rangers games on the radio, and they slide me over, and I work about 20 Knicks games on the TV side. 
uh, Fox Sports since 1994, doing uh, football every year and, and baseball during several of those years. And uh, you mentioned the national uh, hockey work on the television side uh, with NBC for the last 10 or 12 years and now moving forward with Turner Sports. So uh, really fortunate to be involved in all four sports. I love the variety. Uh, my schedule sort of fits together like a jigsaw puzzle. And uh, that week that you mentioned in 2009, that certainly uh, stands out among the most memorable uh, timeframes of my career, working all four sports within the span of that one week. And now kind of going back uh, to your early childhood years, obviously you are within a family of sports broadcasters. Is that how you made your decision? You, you know, you kind of looked up to your father um, and I know your uncle was a sportscaster as well. How does that, how does that kind of work growing up in a whole family of sports broadcasters? Absolutely. I was around it all the time from a young age. Uh, when I was five years old, my parents bought me a tape recorder for my birthday and I started announcing games into the tape recorder and set up my room like a TV or radio studio. And um, it's really all I ever wanted to do. And I learned a lot via osmosis, by listening and watching. And I always joke that family get togethers were like the first all sports radio station. Um, I would sit around and listen to the stories that my father and my uncles would tell. So um Always loved the variety. Uh, very fortunate in high school when I was in 10th grade, a local cable station, Cox Cable of Great Neck, came to my school to film a girls' basketball game, and I volunteered. Uh, they didn't have an announcer with them. They just had two cameras and a small production van. So I volunteered uh, to announce the game. They clipped a microphone onto my shirt. And over the next three years, I had the opportunity to broadcast probably 75 to 100 uh, other high school and Division three college sporting events. And I felt like I had a head start back then. Um, unlike these days when there are sports casting camps available to high school and college students and other opportunities out there at such a young age, back when I was growing up, these opportunities really did not exist until college. So I felt like I had a three year head start uh, calling the games for Cox Cable. I would bring my friends along as color analysts. And by the time I got to college, I had about uh, 75 or 100 games uh, worth of experience, which was invaluable. I want to go back to one play that specifically is in my mind that you've called. And uh, my question talks about Jose Bautista, ALDS. That shot was unbelievable. The home run, the three, one blast, obviously into the second row. And the camera is shaking as he is rounding first base uh, in the stadium. Now, my question for you is, was that the loudest experience environment that you heard calling a game or has there been something even louder calling a different event? It was definitely right up there as far as the noise, uh, the, the, just the feel in the stadium uh, that night when Bautista hit the home run against Texas. It was a late afternoon game, so it was probably about 5 or 6 o'clock in the evening. And um, I'll just never forget the atmosphere in Toronto that night. And that's one of the calls that I get asked about more often than any others. Um, it was in the American League Division Series, and it was a – Crazy inning, the seventh inning. So many uh, things happened aside from the Bautista home run. So uh, definitely I would say in the top three or four as far as the noise level uh, when Bautista did hit that home run. So we're Giants fans. I'm not sure if you could tell. Josh has his little big blue stuff in the background. Um, so you called two memorable touchdowns for the Giants. So I just wanted to ask you which which one was your favorite. So I have a couple here. If there's another one, then maybe, you know, let me know. But um, there was that Victor Cruz 99-yard touchdown against the Jets. 
and the uh, Odell to Saquon Barkley touchdown pass. Um, are there any others or which one was your favorite? Those are both very memorable. Uh, I figured you would bring up the 99-yard Eli to Victor Cruz. I thought you were going to mention uh, the Daniel Jones game-winning touchdown and his first start yeah. against Tampa Bay. I forgot about the Odell-Saquon uh, touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, we also had Saquon's first NFL touchdown, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. uh, during his rookie season. So uh, there have been a number of memorable moments. If I had to pick one, it would probably be the 99-yarder because there haven't been that many uh, – that distance in NFL history uh, that obviously ties a record as far as a uh, touchdown on a play from scrimmage. There have been kickoff and punt returns and interception returns and fumble returns longer from the end zone, but uh, that's the longest you could have on a play from scrimmage. And that was uh, a game that really catapulted the giants into the postseason uh, when they made their Super Bowl run. So that would probably be the one at the top of the list um, called so many giant games during the Eli Manning era uh, from his rookie season on 2004. Uh, But I would say the Eli to Victor Cruz 99 yarder would be the one that stands out more than any others. And I guess we're just talking about all our fandoms now because uh, I have to go to my, my Knicks. And I just want to ask you, obviously, as you just said, you're about to call uh, 20 or so games this upcoming season. This is, this is a good season to be calling those games. Obviously they made some, some moves in the off season, re-signed some good players. They brought in Kemba Walker um, they brought in Evan Fournier, did some good draft picks, getting Miles McBride, Quentin Grimes, uh, Jericho Sims, and a few other players into the Knicks locker room. Had a good summer league, and it, and it looks like some some nice young players are coming up. I just want to know your expectations heading into the season for the Knicks. Well, a lot of excitement with both the Knicks and the Rangers. Um, as far as the Knicks go, last year was uh, an incredible season, winning 41 games, uh, making it to the postseason, finishing fourth in the conference. Uh, Tom Thibodeau winning coach of the year, Julius Randle winning most improved player. Uh, So again, moving forward with the draft picks you mentioned and Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, uh, the Knicks will certainly look to build on that. Um, On the Rangers side, uh, it's been a build since the 2018 letter that went out to the fans and uh, had great success in the two lotteries, getting the second and first overall pick and then signing Artemi Panarin and trading for Adam Fox who won the Norris trophy and, uh, now, some moves they made this offseason with Ryan Reeves and Sammy Blay and Barkley Goodrow. So a lot of good things happening with both teams at MSG. And uh, the s- seasons are just, just around the corner. It's hard to believe uh, because last season went so long. Uh, the Knicks played into uh, early June, I guess, late May, early June. And uh, the NHL season did not end until early July. So uh, here we are in early September and uh, the seasons are just around the corner. So we had kind of like a boring question here, but I, I'm going to kind of spin it up and mix it up here. Um, so you're talking about Rangers, Knicks. So at MSG, which which do you feel like you have more enjoyment calling, the Rangers or the Knicks? Like what's the atmosphere difference? Oh, I love them both. Um, I've been involved with the Rangers for a lot longer now, 26 seasons, and uh, have worked Nick games uh, about a quarter of the games now for 10 or 11 years. So um, you know, for me as a broadcaster, it's two totally different experiences because we call the Ranger games from the chase bridge high above the garden. We could almost touch the ceiling. And during normal years, pre COVID, we call the Nick games from the floor where you're right in the middle of the action and the fans are surrounding you. So, uh, much different experiences calling those games, but, uh, obviously have a lot of fun and, uh, so much excitement every time I step into the building. 
I want to ask about preparation for these games because you're, you're looking at all four sports and completely different ways. The rosters are sets. You have the MLB. There's going to be nine players. There's going to be a pitcher. There's going to be people in the bullpen, people on the bench. Maybe they come in to pitch hit pinch run. You have NHL, four different lines of five guys. You got a goalie on each side, maybe some backups play as well. If people get injured, the NBA, you're looking at 15 people on a roster and the NFL, the 53 man. So, how many talking points would you say you have on each player for like different sports and how does the preparation work? That's a good question, Josh. Um, my preparation is similar for all the sports. Uh, the football is the one that uh, uh, consumes the most hours during the week because I might have two teams that I haven't seen all season. Uh, if I'm doing a Knicks or a Rangers game, I'm so familiar with those teams. You have to study the opponent. Um, when I do a national hockey game, there's obviously more time that goes into it because it's two teams that I might not have seen in a while. I have a checklist for all sports, uh, leading up to my broadcast. And I usually start about with football. You start on Monday for a Sunday game for a basketball or hockey game. It's four or five days before. And my checklist includes, uh, preparing my own charts and statistics, um, reading just about every article that's written on both teams over the span of uh, four or five, six days prior to the game, um, watching previous games in football. I always watch the previous game that both teams played. Um, there's a lot of reading involved. I probably read the equivalent of 10 to 15 books every week, but it's newspapers, it's uh, weekly publications, it's articles on the internet, um, articles that are sent to us by, uh, by the teams, by Fox, by the various other networks. So um, I'll go down my checklist. Uh, and again, like I said, it's watching prior games, a lot of reading, preparing charts, uh, watching press conferences pre-COVID. It was going to practices and press conferences during the last year and a half. A lot of that's been on Zoom. So pretty similar uh, for a football game. It's probably 30 to 40 hours of preparation starting on Monday, uh, all week long, Monday through Thursday at home or wherever I might be. And then Friday, we'll go in and go to the home team practice and then meet with some players and coaches. We'll do the same thing Saturday when the visiting team gets into town. So football is the one that's the most time consuming as far as the preparation. But I look at it as fun work. Um, I never feel like I'm going to work. There's a lot of travel and a lot of work and prep involved. But uh, to me, it's a lot of fun studying teams and players and coaches and sports and preparing uh, for a telecast. So what's it been like with COVID, you know, not, oh, you, either the fans not being there, or you're unable to be there and, you know, uh, you know, calling the game from a different location. Like what, what's that like and how difficult was it to adjust? Well, Alex, it's been a lot different. Um, when I came home on March 12th, 2020 from a Rangers game in Colorado, I was then home for 146 straight days. Like most of us, uh, you guys and the listeners and viewers, I'm sure had similar experiences. And then I went to the NHL bubble in Edmonton, which was a lot of fun, actually. Uh, we were tested every day inside the bubble, inside the fencing, which surrounded the hotels and the arenas. So everybody felt safe um, and had the opportunity to call two and sometimes three NHL games per day in empty arenas. So that was a lot different. Um, with no fans in the building, I had to remind myself to keep up the energy and the enthusiasm. Uh, then when the NFL season began last year, right around a year ago, uh, no fans in a lot of the stadiums, maybe 5,000, 10,000 in some of the stadiums. So again, uh, we all had to remind ourselves to keep the energy and the enthusiasm level up. And then when basketball and hockey started in late December, early January, same thing. 
we called games at an empty Madison Square Garden for a couple of months, Rangers and Knicks. And then the fans started to come back in. They had a couple of thousand and then a bigger number in the playoffs for the Knicks. So uh, also called many, many games off TV monitors. We did not travel last season with the Knicks and Rangers. So we called the away games off monitors. I just worked the Olympics uh, up in Stamford, Connecticut. I was not in Tokyo. I called some volleyball and baseball games off monitors and a little booth. So um, it went better than I expected. I felt like during hockey season, I could see about 85% of what I normally would if I were at the game. I might miss a penalty being called away from the play, or you might not see when the goalie's pulled. You might not see what's going on around the bench area. But for the most part, uh, it brought me back to my childhood, actually, when I called games off the television into a tape recorder. I want to ask you about, obviously, you're, you're calling professional sports and you call professional sports for a long time. So these players, you know, they're going to do some things that are kind of out of this world. But have there been experiences when calling games that you're like, how is this person like doing this on the field? Like, is there any players that come to mind when you think about that? There are probably times when, when you do think that, um, you know, I, I've witnessed some pretty incredible performances. I was there in a behind the scenes role, watching the dream team play in Barcelona in 1992. Um I was at Ron Guidry's 18 strikeout game as a youngster, as a fan. Uh, I've seen players score five goals in one game. Mika Zibanejad did it last year uh, for the Rangers. Um, I worked a game when Drew Brees and Eli Manning combined to throw 13 touchdown passes. So, um, yeah, I've been fortunate to witness some incredible performances. And that's the beauty of sports. It's the best reality show because you never know what's going to happen out on the ice, the court, or the field. So you've stated numerous times that baseball is the hardest sport uh, to call. Why is that? Um, and, you know, what, what's in like, what order would you have them? And what's the easiest sport to call? Not that any well, of them are easy. <laughs> I think baseball is the most challenging from a play-by-play standpoint, only because you have so much downtime. The ball's only in action for 10 to 12 minutes. So um, it's not necessarily the hardest as far as describing the play and what's going on, but there is all that downtime. To me, hockey's the easiest. Some people that hear that think I'm crazy. Uh, a lot of people would think hockey's the hardest with the constant line changes, changing on the fly, all of the European names. But to me, it's like riding a bike. I've done it for so long. Basketball is similar to hockey, a little slower, more stoppages, but uh, kind of similar as far as uh, the players moving left to right, right to left, uh, attempting to score, although there's a lot more scoring in basketball than in hockey. Football is the most rhythmic. It's one play and then it's 20 or 30 seconds. And then it's another play and then it's 20 or 30 seconds. Um, I had to learn a new sport in volleyball for the Olympics. So uh, that's always a great challenge. I love the variety. So it was a lot of fun. Um, But to me, like I said, just because of all the downtime, baseball is probably the most challenging. I think Alex just wanted to get that out there because uh, he, he always likes to laugh about baseball. He thinks it's boring. I very much enjoy it. I'm an, I'm a big Yankee fan, but I think he just wanted to get that out there so he could see if you can say baseball is boring, which I thank you for not saying that. It really, I never used the word boring. No, do not, please, because uh, he was just trying to tr- prove a point to me. That's really why I asked the question. I wonder what Alice would have thought about a 20-inning game I worked about 10 or 11 years ago. Mets and Cardinals went about uh, just under seven hours. <sighs> no score, Alex, through the first 18 innings of that game. That's my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I think any baseball game is your nightmare, Alex. Let's, let's just say that. Um, we thank you so much for your time with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Obviously, you can go see Kenny Albert on basically when you're watching any sporting event. But uh, 
specifically you will see him this season like he mentioned like I mentioned uh, the lead play-by-play voice on Turner Sports he's on the Knicks broadcast with MSG the Rangers uh, MLB on Fox NFL on Fox and we are really excited to call games for this upcoming NFL season specifically because obviously uh, it is what this podcast is about and uh, do you have a Giants game do you know in your schedule I have uh, the Giants week three and week four uh, we have our first four weeks so I'm in Indianapolis for the Seahawks the first week uh, the Rams back at Indy the second week, so two straight weeks in Indianapolis. Atlanta at the Giants, and then the Giants and the Saints week four. We're going to be at that Atlanta game, so uh, really excited that you're. That'll be a big one. They're retiring Eli's number that day. Yeah, we got those tickets before it happened too, so we were really excited about that. Um, but yeah, thank you so so much for joining us, Kenny Albert. Once again, thank you so much. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate you having me on. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.